got to ensure that you're putting enough aside for taxes. Many self-employed or small business owners just don't set enough aside and it gets them into big trouble with the IRS. On this episode of Getting Money Right, we're continuing to go through some of the money questions that we get from you, our listeners. And if you do have some questions that you'd want us to answer in future episodes, please go ahead and contact us through the contact form on leosabo.com. Post that question there, or you can leave a comment on the show notes of this episode. David, here's the first question. I'm a business owner. How do I manage the cash flow of my business? Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I love that you have stepped into small business or hopefully even large business. If you've got a large business, then this first part will already be obvious to you and you're probably already doing it. But for the small business owner, you've got to first and foremost make sure that you've got your personal finances completely separate from your business finances. So you need a business account, you need a business savings account, uh, you need a business card where you do your transactions. You want to keep all of that in one place. It's great to do it at a separate bank so that it never gets mixed up with your personal finances. You can do it at the same bank, but make sure that you're labeling these different. Now, they don't have to be actual business accounts. Uh, if you want a business account, you go to the IRS website and type in EIN or Google EIN employer identification number and that'll give you a tax number and with that tax number you can give that to the bank and create a business checking account where they will put it in the name of your business and people can pay checks directly to that business but you could also just use a personal checking account and call it doing business as, say your name, David Thompson, doing business as getting money right. And then people can still write checks to getting money right, which right now today, write your checks to getting money right. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> no, exactly uh, where they're coming yeah, from. Yeah, there you go. No, so <laughs> you could make it in a personal account or an official business checking account. My point here is that you need to have it separate. So the first foremost thing you've got to do is separate your personal finances from your business finances. And then you manage it a lot like your personal finances. You want to track every single thing that comes in, every little bit of income you get, every sale, every piece of revenue, you track that. And then you track the expenses just like you do in your personal budget. And you've got to have that separated because you're going to be able to use certain expenses in the business that will reduce your profits legally and cause you to pay less taxes. Mm -hmm. And you can still enjoy some of the wealth and income created in that business by potentially buying things for the business that you need to do the business, but also make your life easier. I mean, let's say you're driving uh, an old vehicle for your business. Well, you might be able to upgrade to a nicer vehicle and it's a business expense. Mm -hmm. And so it allows you to improve some things in your life while legally taking a deduction. But I also would never recommend you buy something nicer unless you have the extra cash to do it. And I'd say do it in cash. Don't use debt to do it uh, the majority of the time. You know, there's some some sophisticated things you can do, but in general, it's good to keep it simple. So create a detailed budget of exactly how much you expect to bring in, how much you expect to spend. And then, you know, then you've got a lot of options. As long as you've got that budget in place, you're tracking the income and the outgo. Now you can manage it personally and you can literally do the accounting yourself and you could do cash basis accounting and just go line item by line item or you could do dual entry accounting. Now, 
if just me saying those two things is making your head spin, (laughs) (laughs) then you could also have somebody manage the books for you and pay them a small fee to manage what you've tracked. But you've got to start by tracking. You've got to get that data so you can hand it to a manager who can manage well your books. Yeah, that's great. I would also recommend, I think a lot of folks who start businesses have this grand idea about being able to have more time with their families and being able to bring in more money and hopefully uh, have that adjustability to their schedule where they can go in when they want to go in. And there's a lot of attraction to that, but understand a a business uh, takes time. So just as David said, whether you manage that money on your own or get somebody to manage it, just make sure it is managed. Uh, If it does become too cumbersome and takes too much of your time, uh, time that you should be taken to build your business, then hire someone. The cost that you're going to pay a bookkeeper or an accountant to manage your finances is worth you being freed up to be able to focus on your business. Now, if it's a small business, you can do both. That's great. You probably should do both and not pay the extra money, but you make that decision when it's time. However, build some margin and create some savings. I think that should be the first priority of your business is don't start pulling money to live on day one, because it's going to take some time for you to build that business. It's going to take some time to build a healthy income stream. Um, So build a healthy amount of savings because you'll need it. You don't know what's coming. You don't know what it's going to take to build this business. And chances are it's going to need some capital to get off the ground early on. Also create some margin. That's the difference between what's coming in and what's going out. Um, So you can be more prepared for the unexpected, which we know it happens, especially in in a business. There's a lot of details to a business and intricacies that can come about. And uh, the more margin you have, the less you are dependent on that income, uh, the better your business is going to be long term. Yeah, that's great. So let's do a physical illustration. Uh, Take a look at your hands, look at your left hand and your right hand. And imagine that your left hand is your personal bank account where your personal money is. And your right hand is your business bank account. It's where all your business income goes in and expenses go out. And let's say that you just made a couple thousand dollars in sales. And so you're sitting on four or five thousand dollars in your business account. And you think to yourself, hmm, it'd be nice to have some of this money in my personal account Mm -hmm. so I can go buy groceries and I can go uh, maybe enjoy a vacation or whatever's coming next in your life. Well, any money that leaves your right hand and goes from the business account into the personal account is going to be profits. And you're pulling that out as a draw on the business. And so with any profits that you have going into your personal accounts, this is when you have your revenue minus expenses and there's money left over. So Mm -hmm. these are actual profits Profits, we're talking about here. (laughs) When you take those profits home and you go right hand to left hand, well, now you've got to pay taxes on those profits. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be paying, depending on how you've set up your business, uh, there's a bunch of ways to do this. I'm speaking mainly to the small business owner here that is a sole proprietor, has a limited liability company, or is just doing business as. You can set up S-Corps and we can get into C-Corps. Here we're looking at some of the more simple things. But just realize when you take that money from your right hand and put it into your left hand, the government says, you just had income, go into your personal finances. That income needs to be taxed. And we're going to hit you with a federal income tax. Mm -hmm. That means the entire United States at a federal level says, we want some of that money. And then depending on where you live, you're going to be hit with a state income tax because the state says, hey, you just had income in your personal finances. We want some tax on that. Uh, You're going to be hit with a social security tax with a 
Medicare savings tax because the government is setting aside money for you forced. They're taking your money and setting it aside, you know, and, and honestly, if you look at social security, they're not actually even saving it into an account for you. They're taking it, saying they're saving it for you and spending it, but that's a whole other episode. Yes, it is. So, so, okay. If you realize that you're maybe in a 15% federal tax bracket, and then you have about 15% in social security and Medicare, that's 30% of everything that you take from your right hand and put into your left hand, you need to be setting aside about about 30% of your income. Now, some of you uh, who are a little bit further along in this, you're thinking of an S-corp and you're saying, look, I can form an S-corp and I can pay myself dividends in my business and those dividends are not taxed at normal income rates. And so this is a step beyond, that's okay, let me go with these people for a minute and I'll come back. If you are thinking that, on the S-Corp side, you can only pay out, you've got to pay out normal wages and then beyond normal wages, it's dividends. So if you're in an industry that makes $50,000 a year, you need to take the first $50,000 as wages, which then becomes income, (laughs) which then gets hit with the federal and the social security. Now, if you do dividends, that might just be hit at the federal level, or it may be taxed at some capital gains level. But the only thing you're avoiding is social security there. And it's a great thing to avoid. And when you get to a certain place in your business, you need to talk to your accountant and you need to have that plan in place. And I fully endorse legally avoiding as much taxes as possible. Of course, of course. Uh, I'm always for legal tax avoidance. Uh, you get very dicey when you step into tax evasion. Mm-hmm. And I've ran into a few S-corp owners that are like, no, everything I make is dividends. Well, you have to take reasonable wages legally and eventually the IRS is going to catch up with you. And so if you wouldn't rob a bank, I wouldn't rob the IRS. (laughs) Well, I think you'll find out when the first time they knock on your door that whatever you think doesn't really matter. It's what they have written and what they're going to make you stick to that matters. And really the bottom line with this, folks, is that you really want to consider that whatever money is going from, as David said, from the right to the left, or left to right, whichever you said, <laughs> um, what's happening there is you're losing about 30% of it, probably on the low end, anywhere from 25 to 30% on the low end. It could be even higher depending on your tax bracket and how much money you're actually pulling from one hand to the other. So if you're not setting that aside, this is going to be really harmful down the road because when the IRS does catch up with you, and they always do, uh, it would not be fun to have to write a check of $10,000, $20,000 or to have to make payments for several years in order to get caught up. So make sure that part of part of having a budget, part of managing cash flow is that you, that's one line item that you don't skimp out on. It's as important as the money moving to your personal finances that you pay your taxes. You cannot, in this country, because of what, the way our government is set up, you cannot live here without paying taxes here. And um, make sure that you do it right. And fortunately, you run a business so you have the ability to make more money. And whatever tax you pay, hopefully you'll make a lot more and enough for your family. But taxes are just part of that equation, so make sure you build it in. But have a budget. Uh, Cash flow is very important. A business will not operate without it. And hopefully a little bit of the information we gave you uh, has helped you guys. Yeah. Let's move on to the next question. When does it make sense to go to college? And when does it make sense to go another direction? (laughs) Wow, this is such a big question because... I think that we're seeing actually a pretty dramatic shift coming in the way that we get education in the United States. Yeah, I agree with that. And the access to great teachers at affordable rates. Right now, today, I can go on YouTube and learn 
almost anything. Right. Uh, not anything, but almost anything. And I can go to harvardeducation.com and I can find free courses from one of the greatest institutions as far as you know higher education yeah, who for have, free. Who would have thought that would be possible? Right, exactly. <laughs> so, And there are hundreds of online courses. So this depends a lot on your career interest and whether a college education specifically is going to adequately prepare you mm -hmm. and what the industry that you're going into, what they expect. So you got to look at the industry that you want to work in and will this college education truly prepare me to do what I want to do? Because right. you can get a great quote unquote education or at least an expensive education and you didn't adequately get prepared to do the work and it can be really frustrating. Yeah, I know, David, recently you, you went through a bunch of uh, interviews because you're hiring. Yeah. And, and so I'm asking you, we didn't prep this before the, before the show, but how many of them did you look for their formal education? How many of them did you really focus on? Do they have an MBA? Do they have a business degree? Do they have a, even a college degree? Have you really focused on that? Or was it just one of those things that was like, hmm, it's nice if they have it, but what was your take on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, I looked at every resume. Uh, we had over 30 people apply, and that was just for one of the positions that I'm hiring for. And, uh, you know, I looked really at their industry experience in the past five years. Hmm. Now, some of them had less than five years of industry experience. And so I did go back and I looked at their education and I pulled their life experience from that. And so their education did matter. But really, the thing that mattered most was their last five years of yeah. industry experience. And where I know this is going to sound weird, but where was their heart? Did they want to do the type of work that I was offering? Right, <laughs> you know, right. Is this person really engaged and passionate about it? So I was searching for other things beyond education. I'll tell you, we have an incredible group of candidates that I've been looking at that range from people who have a high school education only that are in our top candidates to bachelor's degrees that are in our top candidates to somebody that has a master's degree that's in our top candidates. But honestly, I'm not looking at their college education as mm. the final straw. Right. I'm looking at their current roles and how their passion lands in life and if they have the ability to do this job. Yeah, that's great. And that's that's really what I thought, um, because the thing that I think people miss out on, especially young folks who are thinking about college, is many of them have been brought up into this educational system that... It's been a stepping stone. You go from kindergarten to first grade to second to third, fourth, fifth. Then you move on to middle school. Then you move on to high school. Then you move on to college. And it's just almost its almost like a no-brainer. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. And, folks, I, I think all of that is changing. I hope you see that it's changing. We are no longer bound by you have to get your education through a four-year college degree. In fact, so many of the careers and vocations today are really – more based on some of the things that have been developed because of the online ability to train and the uh, the entrepreneurial uh, spirit that's created so many different unique jobs that colleges haven't been able to keep up with the training for these folks. You will not find that kind of training in a college course. Now, some of the colleges have caught on and now they're creating things. But honestly, if you think about it, their form and their method of teaching is a lot more it's, – it's not as fluid and is not as useful – as the one-on-one -on -one that's happening through a YouTube or through an online class or through a trade school. And for people who are not, let's say they're just not college or, or high school just wasn't their best experience, meaning they, from an academic standpoint, they didn't really thrive there um, because they're more, maybe they're more, uh, what is it, right brain 
Is that right? Or left wing? Yeah, I asked somebody I of this the other day that was really into brain science and they couldn't they even remember. Know. So okay. I don't feel bad anymore. My, my point is if you're more artsy rather than a, you know, a numbers person or a structured person, then you're more likely to thrive in an atmosphere where you don't have rules and regulations and you're not boxed in. And these kind of folks are going to thrive differently and they're going to create more value by being in industries where they have that freedom to be able to do what uh, what really brings the most value to the company that they're working for, the organization they're working for. Yeah, this is this is spot on. You know, there's another position that's being hired uh, in a department next to mine for a video producer and a video editor and somebody that can go out and capture great video and then edit it and record it and just turn out great product. Mm. Almost everyone going through that process, uh, almost none of them have a formal education they just fell in love with video. And so they bought a camera when they were young and they went out and took pictures and then they recorded and then they did weddings and then they did bigger weddings. And then they started doing photo shoots or they started doing contract work for different organizations and they just got better and better and better. And that person is more adaptable than maybe the person that's been through a formal education. Yes, I totally agree. Because they have hands-on experience. They've been doing it and have tried it and have gotten really good at it. And yeah. they're not just good at it, but they they can get the job done fast. Yes. College does help you to think. It helps you to learn. There's good benefits to it. And there are some careers that you have to go down that path in order to get your certification, to get your degree, whatever it's necessary to move on to the next phase. But most of the time, for my my perspective, limited perspective, it's a launching pad. It's really just preparing you for the next phase. But that's not for everybody. And I think that's the thing to, to draw from this is that it's not for every single person. And knowing who you are and knowing what your gifting is and what you're called to, what you really feel deep down you're most satisfied in doing, you have to take those things into account. You just can't just jump into college, hope that by junior or senior year you'll finally figure it out because you're boxed in. You have only so many options. And I think we need to do a better job with our children of getting them prepared to take that step by helping them to understand who they are before yeah. they step in. Yeah. College is not for everybody, but laziness <laughs> is for nobody. That's right. <laughs> so That's right. so don't take this as, oh, well, David and Leo, they didn't endorse college, so I can just stay at home and play video games. Mm-mm. No, you've got you've to build a plan and get out there and do something. You've got to find out, just like Leo said, who you are, what you're passionate about, what what stirs you? What what are the things that you can work on almost endlessly mm-hmm. and that you get energy from doing that work instead of feeling expired and wasted at the end of the day? You feel refreshed. You're like, oh, I love doing that. I want to go do that again. I want to go do that again. And you work into the night on it because it, it feels good to you and it serves other people. If you find that and it doesn't necessarily need a formal education, you can do it on your own and you can get there on your own, go for it, that's great. Mm. That entrepreneurial spirit will serve you well. On the flip side, in defense of college, Mm -hmm. you know, I went to college and I got a four-year degree and I'm very happy that I did. Yeah, I came out with with $15,000 of student loans. I think that you need to be extremely cautious (laughs) about going into debt to go to school because there's so many cheap, free or inexpensive ways to get your education. Knowing what I know now, I would be more cautious about going through the education system because $15,000 takes time to pay off and that can slow down what you want to go do. The good news is, is with a good college education in a career field that has growth like engineering, like mathematics, uh, science, 
a lot of business degrees, those have career potential to bring in a lot of income, but you have to love that area. You have mm-hmm. to love math if you're going to major in math. You've got to love you know, engineering if you're going to major in engineering. And so you've got to figure out how you're wired. And it's great to go to college because it can serve you well, but it doesn't mean that it's for everybody. And again, laziness is for nobody. <laughs> I agree. And I just want to add one more comment to parents. If you're, no matter what age your children are, my encouragement to you as parents is just really get to understand the gifting of your children, really sow into them uh, and help them understand who they are. It's so tempting as a parent to just say, well, my kid's got to go to college. He's just, that's what successful people do. They go to college and then they make a big income down the road. And Again, I'm not against college. Both of my daughters went to college. They both got four-year degrees. But what I want to encourage you as a parent is to really just listen to your child. Don't don't follow the herd. Don't believe the, the culture that your child has to you know, conform to everyone else. Really individually talk with them. See if what they're interested in will be served in a college education. If it's not, then allow them the freedom to maybe for a year. Give them that opportunity to, to find another path. And if they don't find it, they can always go back to college. You don't have to enter college at 18 or 19. You can enter at 25. My wife didn't go to college until she was 30. So it doesn't really matter. Time is on your side, especially when they're younger. Just don't, uh, don't pigeonhole them into a specific niche because you think that's what they need to do. Really listen to them. Help them to understand who they are. Help them to make that decision so that they're happy for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Whatever, whatever they end up doing. That's great. Okay, so Leo, on that vein, uh, you know, I want to go to college. My child wants to go to college. How do I avoid student loans? That's the next question. How do I avoid student <laughs> that's loans? Dun, 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 um, dun. Yeah, that's, that's great. There are a lot of grants typically found through the FAFSA, the Free Application for Federal Student Aid. And you can fill that out and see what you qualify for. Uh, grants are often based on financial need and do not have to be paid back. So that's the first thing you want to do is see what you would qualify for. Um, scholarships. There are so many scholarships out there really for just about anything. And there are literally billions of dollars that, um, that are available that your child can apply for. Uh, you don't have to have a great GPA, by the way, to apply for these things. Many of them don't require that, and you also don't need to be in a low-income situation to qualify. The best thing to do is just apply. Apply everywhere. Uh, if you're interested in something, see if there's a scholarship that will fund part of that. And don't think that it's a, a four-year scholarship to somewhere. You may end up getting six or seven scholarships to cover the whole cost, or you might get a few to cover half the cost. But just realize the money's out there. There's literally billions of dollars unclaimed every year because people just don't apply for these scholarships. Yeah, I saw in the corporate world a lot of organizations that were putting together scholarship funds. And so I was a part of the risk management industry. And so there was a risk and insurance management scholarship. uh, And it was put together by the RIMS organization, Risk and Insurance Management Society. And so uh, these people got together once a year, they raised funds, and they gave scholarships. There was a Dallas Claims Association scholarship for students that were pursuing an education. And honestly, they didn't even necessarily need to be pursuing a claims or insurance education. Mm. They just had to know somebody that was related to the organization that would say, this is a good student and we want to help them. Right. And so there's Lions Clubs, there's church organizations, credit there's union. credit unions. I mean, Start to get out there and start Googling who are some of the organizations in my city, in my 
county and and start looking this up and then go join those go go become a friend of the organization as an 18 year old if you show up at meetings they will be so blown away and impressed and you begin to build relationships and then you share that you're on your college journey you're going to you're going to capture some hearts and some minds and people are going to want to help you go further so you've got to step out you've got to put in the work mm-hmm. uh, and you know talk to your parents what industry are they in and what organizations are in that industry and talk to your friends or relatives and begin to see okay what are some of these unknown scholarships. And I just say they're unknown because who would have ever thought about the risk and insurance management society scholarship? <laughs> Nobody's yeah. thinking risk yeah. and insurance management. There's um, also, there's also organizations out there that will actually do all the legwork for you and present these opportunities, scholarships to you. There's a small cost, maybe a couple hundred dollars to join. And it's, it's not just for one child, but for all the siblings. In fact, one of my clients right now, uh, his son is in college and his daughter is 15. She's going to be in college in a couple of years. And they were telling me that they signed up for this thing. And uh, unfortunately, the son didn't, didn't apply for any scholarships, but I encourage them strongly to to take a different approach when it comes to their daughter because they're going to need the financial help to get her through. So it's important that you know it's out there and find ways to find out who's given scholarships, but know that there are literally billions of dollars out there that go unclaimed. So that should tell you that there are people willing to write a check. They're just waiting for the right person to say, hey, write a check to me. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll yeah. say, okay. Well, and look at your, at your student. Um, I don't know what their hour of labor is worth, but if they go into the marketplace, it's usually worth about $10 an hour on the high or end. Or less. Or less, right? Yeah, it's minimum wage, whatever that so is. So right? if they spend five hours writing out five applications and one of those five turn into a $500 scholarship, well, they spent five hours and they got $500. That's $100 an hour. That's they are right. 10 times the income. So so it's worth putting in the energy. I mean, Absolutely. It, yes, write 10 of them and spend 10 hours on it and get a $1,000 scholarship. You know, keep looking, keep pushing in. Yep, that's good. And if you start early, you got plenty of time. So do start early. Start by maybe their junior year, the beginning of their junior year, and start applying for these things. And you will make some headway. The persistent will end up getting some scholarships. Uh, Here's some other options. Military tuition assistance for active military members. um, This is capped at $4,500 per year. Uh, It's a great way to start or complete a degree. Um, The best part is that it doesn't take away from the GI Bill. And the GI Bill is actually given to military members who serve over 90 consecutive days and uh, provides up to 36 months of education benefits. And if you don't use it, you can actually pass it on to your dependents, so that's kind of cool. Uh, for those who are already employed, uh, check with your company because some offer tuition reimbursement assistance. My brother, when he was working as a, uh, I believe he was a welder, or he worked at a company making car parts, like door panels and the sheet metal parts on, on cars. He worked at a place for like 10 years, and he took about two, three years to, no, maybe longer than that, maybe four to go to nine classes. He would go to nine classes, and, and the company reimbursed him. If he got a B or higher uh, average in the class. He, so he ended up getting a, a degree, an associate's degree in CAD design, and then ended oh, up wow. working That's for cool. the company having that degree. And it was the easiest job in the company. He just had to program this machine. Everybody else was hard labor. But 
you just never know what your company is willing to to do. So approach your HR department or the benefits uh, department and find out if they do tuition reimbursement, and you'll never know. Yeah, that's great. You know, another old-fashioned way of doing things is to work oh, I knew <laughs> as that was you go to school. So watch out. If Leo and David are on the podcast, we're going to talk about putting in work. Yes, uh, you know, work study programs on the job or on the campus work programs. Or, you know, off the campus. I was a waiter for five years through college. So, you know, I did it my senior year of high school and all four years of college. And in the weekend, working two or th- you know, two, three nights a week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you could earn as much as somebody doing an hourly job working 30 hours a week. And I could do it in, I don't know, I'm thinking 12, 15 hours in the weekend. Yeah. So as a waiter, look for the unique opportunities to work and earn income while you're in school and pay your way through. Your kids have the ability to work and study. Uh, When you get to retirement, you do not necessarily have the opportunity to continue working. Hopefully you will. Hopefully you've gained a skill set where you're going to keep serving people your whole life and keep being paid financially for that service. And I think most people you live longer, you have better health, you have better brain activities when you're working, serving. I think most people should work longer, mm-hmm. not in a mean way, in a way that's like, hey, you're going to enjoy life better if you're yeah. in a social environment. But uh, but work longer, but you can't borrow for retirement. Your children can borrow for student loans. You know, they can borrow for school. They can work when they're in school. So if you had to prioritize your retirement savings versus your kid's education, prioritize retirement savings Mm -hmm. and realize that your kids do have the opportunity to work. Yeah. So here's just a few more. Uh, Attended junior college for the first two years. This is something one of my daughters did, um, and it was less expensive. And the tuition for junior college is much, much lower than even an in-state college. Also, attend an in-state college instead of an out-of-state. This is going to be much less expensive. Uh, take college-level exam program uh, exams. Uh, these are CLEPs. These are exams that you take as you enter college, and they will literally allow you to skip certain classes because of your knowledge already. If you can pass these classes and you can skip certain electives. Yeah. I always heard people talk about the CLEP exams and I was so <laughs> confused. Oh yeah. I clepped out of that class. I'm like, you what? Like, did you just, did you clip it? Like, did you, did you take scissors and cut that class out of your schedule or no, no, I clepped out of it. Yep, yep. What is that? No, no. College level examination program. I'm so glad you broke down that acronym for me, go. Leo. I've been sure. confused for a long time. <laughs> um, well, my, my wife took a bunch of those when she went back to college because she, she graduated high school. We got married soon after we were both out of high school and she didn't get to go back and get her teaching degree until much later. And when our kids were old enough for her not to be at home with them. And so she took a bunch of these classes in order to not to have to take some of these basic math and English, these classes that were just going to be a waste of time. They weren't very expensive because she was doing a junior college, but why, why take these classes and spend months uh, in the classroom if you don't need to? So that's why I know about it. Now, my younger daughter, Courtney, did not do that. She had, she could have done it, but she didn't. She just signed up for the class. And anyway, so know that they're there and they're available. Well, I didn't do it either, Leo. So don't judge. Cause, <laughs> I'm, uh, not hey. judging. I'm not judging. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's why we're doing a podcast. Just and to you let have people to, know that you can do this. That's things. right. And you have to be able to pass the exam. Sure. Which, that, that is hey, important. Watch out now. Also, uh, for a high school student, uh, you can do advanced placement AP classes. Uh, my daughter, Rachel, actually did this in uh, her high school time and had earned 34 credit hours. Oh, so she wow. she entered college as a sophomore. She actually had the first year done, and she did so. It was, and instead of doing four years, she would have done three. Now, she ended up switching schools, so she still did four, yeah. but um, because she needed to do three at the different school. But 
had she not, she would have just done three years. Yeah. So that extra AP classes can come in handy. Yeah. Leo, you've touched on one of my favorite subjects, and that's the idea of going to a community college or a junior college in state near your home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much cheaper. Oh, yeah. Dramatically less expensive, extremely easy to pay for as you're going. Absolutely. Plus, the kids can live at home, and so that saves on rent. It saves on food. It saves on gas and travel expenses. So I'm just, I highly, highly, highly endorse the two-year program at a community college. If you finish that, uh, the four-year universities are excited to bring you in because you are the kind of person who can finish a two-year program. Well, they're thinking, oh, this person's going to finish the last two years at our school, and then they're going to send us alumni checks. They're going to send us money, uh, you know, as a thank you for the education they got here. So they're very interested in people who have two-year degrees already. So final thing is just rent books, buy used books instead of buying new either live on campus or find the cheapest housing near the campus. Look for every way to reduce your expenses. These are the things that you want to do when you're looking at your education. And keep in mind, go back to that idea of does it have to be college or is there another way? And a lot of college can be done online these days while you're working. And so be looking for those unique opportunities. More and more of those are going to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Please go to the Apple Store or Google Play, click on iTunes and hit subscribe. Go to the Stitcher app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can listen to it on your phone as you drive. Subscribing will automatically update you with the latest episode each week, and it'll make it easier for more people to find our podcast, and it's going to benefit more people over time. So we appreciate you giving it a five-star review. Literally just click the fifth star. Very simple and easy. Take a moment to do that, and then share this podcast. This is the most important thing you can do. If you gained any value from today's podcast, if you enjoyed just spending time with us and listening to us share uh, what we've learned over the years, share this with somebody. Please. Will you will you go on social media and just hit the share button? Text it to a friend right now. At the end of this show, text it to a friend. You can find the show notes for this episode and more content and resources at leosabo.com. And we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money right. right. There are so many other options to learning today. Trade schools, online classes for things like photography, marketing, sales, even gaming, and so many others. Some people will be better equipped to step into these careers through a non-formal education and not attend a college or university. 